Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Thursday, podcastone.com, Apple Podcasts, and all of your favorite podcast outlets. Thank you for checking it out. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing and uh, all the great reaction and response around the world to this podcast each and every week. As I remind all of the listeners, especially, especially if you're in the U.S. or Canada, what you hear on this podcast interview-wise is directly from my Sirius XM radio show, which is called Trunk Nation and is heard live Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time on channel 106 volume, and it replays every night, 10 to midnight Eastern and all shows, interviews, audio, video, on demand on the SiriusXM app. Here on this podcast, you get a tiny sample of what I'm doing on a daily basis. If you are in the U.S. or Canada, I would love and appreciate if you currently do not listen on SiriusXM to please do so. It is uh, really in the big picture, not a lot of money, and you'll get a tremendous amount of content. You can hear the show live. You can hear everything I do each and every day and also interact with it. And everybody else outside the U.S. and Canada, you can't get SiriusXM, so thank you for listening to the podcast, getting a little taste of what I do on radio in America. So here we are, and uh, it is part two this week of my Neil Peart interview special. Celebrating Neil, remembering Neil, after the shocking news of his passing a few weeks ago. If you listened to last week's podcast, you know that was part one, this week part two. And as I just said a few minutes ago, talking about my daily radio show, this uh, last week and what you're about to hear this week all happened in one radio show the Monday after the news of Neil Peart's passing came down. So I'll provide and uh, bring to you now the other two interviews from that day that we celebrated Neil and remembered him. Today, featuring Mike Portnoy, 
who knew Neil Peart. And, you know, he's Portnoy is the guy that a lot of people point to as sort of like, you know, he was like Peart Jr. to a lot of people. Obviously, he did a lot more and has done a lot more with a lot of other artists and been a lot more diverse in his career than Neil Peart ever was. Neil Peart really, for the most part, few exceptions, but for the most part, completely tethered to just one band his entire life, where Mike does multiple bands all the time. But very much, you know, Mike very much kind of put you know, you know, in the same breath as Neil in terms of the type of player he is, the quality of player he is. And needless to say, Neil was an enormous influence on him. And he knew Neil. And to my surprise, he knew Neil was sick. He was one of the few people that almost sort of saw this coming when it was a shock to so many others. So the first interview this week is going to be with Portnoy. And again, this, these interviews happened just a couple days after we found out that Neil had passed away. It was very, very fresh for everybody at the time. So you'll hear from Mike first, and then second, a guy that would not necessarily be a household name as far as name recognition, but who is incredibly close to the Rush camp and a part of it, and that is Andy Curran. Now let me tell you a little something about Andy. So I've known Andy for a really long time, and I've been a fan of Andy's for a really long time because Andy Curran played in a Canadian band called Coney Hatch, and he still does from time to time, out of Toronto. And when I was a kid, I loved Coney Hatch. They put three albums out on Polygram, one of those bands that, at least in America, unfortunately went nowhere, but a really good melodic hard rock band. And I uh, I had been a fan of Andy's in that band for a long time. As a matter of fact, I just read where their guitarist singer, Carl Dixon, just actually put out a brand new record. So some of those guys from Coney Hatch still active in music. But for about the last 20 years, Andy has worked for the Rush organization in a bunch of different capacities on the label side, on the management side and has worked directly with Rush for almost two decades. So when this news about Neil Peart's passing happened, my initial reaction was to reach out to the Rush camp as well and the people there in their office in Toronto, many of whom I know, and, you know, send my condolences to them. And Andy is an old friend, and I said, hey, you know, if you feel up to it and you'd like to call in, I'd be I'd love to have you say a few words about Neil because my objective in doing these interviews was not only to celebrate Neil but do it with people who were either really influenced by him or really really big fans or who in who directly knew him because he was such a reclusive guy that they actually knew him personally. And the two interviews for you on this week's uh podcast both fit both of those criteria. So Andy Curran, uh, you know, the Rush camp obviously had been knowing about this and dealing with this for a long time, and Andy gives us some thoughts about Neil as well from the inside of the organization, which I think you're going to enjoy. Now, my interview, the interview with Andy Curran is much shorter than the one with Portnoy, simply because, again, with these interviews originating on my radio show, I have stuff in the radio show where I have exact breaks I have to hit and what have you, so... I can't, 
you know, I can't go past a certain period of time with some people if I'm coming up on a commercial break or what have you. So I would have loved to have had a little more time with Andy, but we just didn't because of the constraints of the radio show at the time that I did this. But I think you will enjoy both interviews, both adding some perspective. Part two of my tribute and remembering of Neil Peart, the late great drummer from Rush. With Mike Portnoy first, Andy Curran from the Rush organization second, and I hope you enjoy our second part of the Neil Peart tribute here on the podcast. few other things from me and a few other pieces of business before we get to those interviews. So I just got back from like a week and a half in L.A., and ton of great stuff. I went to Aerosmith Music Cares, which is a big Aerosmith tribute show that happened last Friday. I did a bunch of radio. If you listen to the show on volume every day on 106, you know about it already. A ton of radio with a ton of guests from the LA studios of Sirius XM. I uh, attended the NAM show. I did my monthly broadcast from the rainbow. So a lot of great stuff. Another great trip wrapped up from LA. Please be sure to follow on Twitter at Eddie Trunk, where I'm most active. Also, Instagram at Eddie Trunk. EddieTrunk.com is the website. And of course, there is a fan page that occasionally I post on, but not all that much that I do on Facebook, also simply at my name. But if you're a listener of the radio show every day, you know about all this stuff because you were hearing it and uh, way too much to try to recap and even get into here on the podcast, but it was a lot of fun, a lot of great experiences. The Aerosmith thing was really cool thing to attend. I'd never been to a Music Cares before, and if you have the radio show, go back and listen because I did a full breakdown of that entire event on one entire show, which was actually this past Monday that I recapped all that. Recap the Grammys and the debacle that is for rock. It's all there on the radio show, but again, only so much I can bring you here on the podcast once a week. Coming up, man, before you know it, it's going to be here. As a matter of fact, next week, next Thursday, I leave for the Monsters of Rock Cruise. Can't believe that's here already. It's a great event. Really excited to be a part of it once again. I've hosted every single one. I'll be hosting this one once again also. And as has been the case lately, speaking of the Sirius XM radio show, Trunk Nation on Volume, I'll be doing that live from the ship. I've done that in the past, and I will be doing that again. Excited to be doing it again. And if you listen, you will hear all the action from the ship as it transpires. And there are so many bands on that cruise that I don't even know who we're going to pick off and end up having on. But by all means, be sure to tune in and listen. It's pretty funny because somebody at SiriusXM that I work with asked me for a list of all the bands. So I sent them a link to the website and they responded back. They said, are there any cabins that they can sell with these many bands on the thing? And I was like, yeah, you would think, but these ships are pretty damn huge. But yeah, I mean, you would think that uh, that many bands eats up a ton of cabins, that's for sure. But it's one of those things that it's just this party with a slew of artists and a, a bunch of great fans as well. And it's always great to attend every single year 
and be a part of. So if you're going on the cruise, I will see you. We'll have, of course, one more podcast here next Thursday prior uh, to the cruise sailing. And then the cruise goes out and I'll be broadcasting from that. And you know the deal from there. Keep up with everything, like I said, on social media, and I'll keep you posted. So that's the next thing. And then after that, I've got, uh, let's see, February 20th, the Avalon in Los Angeles. I'll be hosting the latest Dio fundraising event for the Dio Cancer Fund, and that'll be happening at the Avalon on the 20th. February 22nd, I will be hosting... Buck Cherry at the IDL Ballroom in Tulsa. February 25th, I'm back in L.A. for the next L.A. Invasion from the Rainbow Patio for my radio show. Those are free and open to the public. All the appearances are on the homepage of eddytrunk.com as they come in, but that's what February is looking like at this point. Cruise, L.A., Tulsa, back to L.A. That'll be all of February as far as scheduled travel with some other stuff that might get slotted in there here and there as well. As a matter of fact, often I have to look at my own website or my own uh, calendar to find out. Uh, Now that I'm saying this, let me make sure that there isn't anything else why I'm talking to you guys, because a lot of times I forget myself. Oh, yeah, there is. Son of a bitch, there is. Saturday, February 29th. A rescheduled date, Erlanger, Kentucky, just outside Cincinnati. I'll be doing a speaking show. That information also on eddytrunk.com. So coming your way soon, folks, in Erlanger. All right, that that covers February. See, I have to go to eddytrunk.com myself to find out what's going on. So let's get to Mike Portnoy first, Andy Curran second, as we celebrate and remember Neil Peart, part two of my two-week remembrance of Neil on the Eddie Trunk podcast. Thank you for listening. Portnoy up first. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. From A&E, the creators of Cold Case Files comes your next true crime podcast obsessions, PD stories. Every week, law enforcement professionals join host Tom Morris Jr. from America's Most Wanted and Live PD to share their experiences, insights, and perspective on policing. You're not going to want to miss this show. Be sure to subscribe on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and many other podcast apps so you can get new episodes every week. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Okay, first up on the Eddie Trunk Podcast, Mike Portnoy remembering Neil Peart. Let's get to that right now. Been a rough weekend, huh, bud? Oh, man. it's 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 been surreal. You know, like, um, just been in a a horrible fog for the last couple of days. And I've been doing a lot of interviews, you know, uh, for radio tributes like this and, and other things like that. So, you know, it's been, it's been uh, nice to keep talking about Neil and remembering him and posting about him online, but it hurts, man. It's, um, you know, this one, this one's a, a big one for, for me personally. I mean, this, you know, I haven't felt like this, uh, you know, 
since like maybe John Lennon or John Bonham or Frank Zappa. I mean, it's, it hits on that level as a fan, you know, as it does for millions of Rush fans around the world. But this has a whole other level for me as well, because, you know, I didn't know John Lennon or John Bonham or Frank Zappa, but Neil, I did know and had a relationship with. So there's that whole level as well, which just makes it just horrible. It's just been a a rough, rough weekend. We we talked for a bit on Friday because the news hit right when I was signing off the air from my show. And then we carried over into the show after me and you, you, you and I were both on there for a few minutes for people that don't know you, you know, Neil was an incredibly private guy, but in recent years, you actually befriended him and you, you were aware that he was sick and, and battling this, huh? Yeah, I've I've um I've known for about two years now and uh was held to secrecy. Um it was something that he and, and, and everybody in his camp, you know, obviously um went to great lengths to keep private and keep secret. And you know, that was Neil, you know, um he he was a very, very private guy. Um so yeah, I mean like even though I've known for this this amount of time and I kind of have had time to psychologically prepare for this, knowing that it was inevitably coming. It didn't make it any less shocking. It's still, it's just, it just took the wind out of me when I, when I heard it on Friday and I, I can't imagine the people that didn't, you know, the whole rest of the world that didn't know about this, like this must be completely from completely out of nowhere. I can't imagine how shocking it must be. Well, for me, it was. I mean, it, it completely floored me when I had heard this because and and the irony of that is that I remember a year or so ago, somebody did get in my ear and tell me that Neil was ill. And they reminded me of that over the weekend. But I I just didn't know the severity of it. And look, we hear a lot about a lot of people and what state they're in and condition they're in. Yeah. I just wasn't I mean, in the day in the day and age room with social media and whatever, to be able to keep something like this as serious as it was as off the radar as they did is unbelievable because it was an utter shock to me when that somebody all i found out was somebody texted me just neil peart and they texted me that right when i got off the air friday and my response was what about him like it literally was not even in my thought process that this was happening of course yeah i'm i i can imagine and the fact he he passed on Tuesday morning, and right. they actually kept kept it quiet for a few days, even uh, beyond that. You know, when was the yeah, last time but, you had any any exchange with him, Mike? Whether it be a text or a call, or or saw him or talked to him, when was the last time? Well, you know, uh, last night uh, I, I I went and uh, I saved all of the emails he always sent me, and I and last night I went reading through a whole bunch of them and. Um, Broke down crying. I mean, just it 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 really hit me hard last night. I had a a big big cry reading some of these emails from him. But you know, he he was uh, you know you you've read his books, you've read the tour programs, you've read his his uh, his blogs on his website, and that's the way he wrote, even in his emails. So I, whenever I would get an email from him, you know, it was very very lengthy, very thorough, went into a lot of details of you know whatever he was going through. But in in answer to your question. Um, the last email I got from him was uh, about a year, like a little over a year ago. And he sent me a, 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 a holiday email with a photo of him uh, with, in a Santa Claus hat and uh, some photos of his daughter, Olivia, who, who's been growing up. And he would always send me 
photos of them dressed up for the holidays or reading books together or things like that. And, you know, I, I, I feel so much gratitude and I feel so lucky and fortunate to have had that kind of relationship with him because I know how few people did. So I, it was, it's such an honor for me to have had that relationship with him the last, you know, 15 years or so. And, and, uh, you know, he, Last time I saw him was when I went and saw the farewell tour. Um, I went and saw the show up in Boston, and I brought uh, my son Max to see the show. And, you know, knowing that they were re- retiring, um, you know, I knew it was possibly the last time we'd see him play, obviously not thinking this was going to happen. So that's the last time I saw him. And, and he was, as always, I mean, I've already told the story the last couple of days, but he was just, as always, so generous and, you know, let Max come up and play his kid and gave Max some signs, heads and sticks and opened up his dressing room to us. So that was the last time I physically saw him. And then there were a few emails, uh, you know, after that. Do you think that rush ended because he knew do, do, everyone's trying to figure out the timeline now that everybody no, knows he, he, you don't, he uh, didn't, yeah. he didn't know at the end of R 40, the news no. of his illness was after that. Yeah, he, found, he, you know, I don't want to be the official spokesman, but from what I know, um, you know, when they were retiring, they were retiring for other reasons, other physical reasons, and he right. didn't get his, his cancer diagnosis till uh, uh, well after the tour was done. You know what also is crazy about this? For, for people that follow you and social media, the in a few weeks ago, you had to spend time and put out a statement because there were erroneous reports that you were going to do music with Getty and Alex, which is, yeah, which is crazy. A, so you, weird, you, you had it, you got pulled into all that. that. Some website was doing. So I'm sorry. So say that again. Where did that all come from? That was just made up. Uh, it, well, apparently, cause it, 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 it was, I guess about a few weeks ago, it came across all my news feeds. Everybody was reporting this, this, silly, you know, news report that I was going to be playing with them for their, for the 40th anniversary of permanent waves. But, uh, what I found out was that I guess, uh, down in South America or Mexico or whatever, uh, Latin America, that's their April fool's day. So all these websites were running rampant with this silly, you know, fantasy report, which obviously was not true. And then I posted just to clarify because everybody was asking, you know, if, if it was true, because they even made like a fake uh, Twitter account of mine and posted from there. So yeah, I mean, I wanted to clarify that it was not true, and uh, just the the timing now is just so uh, you know eerie and strange. But let me ask you this because I thought this was, and I think this is a tremendous credit to you. And and I'm not saying this just because you're a close friend, but when people over the decades talked about Neil Peart. The guy that was often cited as the most direct, if you will, descendant of Neil Peart in all ways was you. And 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 the fact that, like, there's that sort of cl- enough that you've done enough in your career that you are sort of compared to or thought of as the, the most... Um, What's what's the word I'm looking for? The guy who is the most influenced by or carries the spirit of Neil or whatever it may like be. Like a protege? Yeah, that's got to be an incredible uh, compliment, I would think, to you. That that you're you're whenever anybody mentions like, okay, who's the most you the know successor? successor or the guy that's that right. that comes from Neil, the descendant of Neil. 
it, the, the it's always Mike Portnoy. I mean, that's got to make you feel really proud. Of course. I mean, it, to me, it's the ultimate compliment. And, um, uh, you know, he was always my biggest, biggest hero. And, in fact, if you look at my uh, my high school yearbook, you know, in the back of everybody's yearbook, it'll have, a, you know, marching band, all the things you did, and then it'll always say future plans. And one person will say, oh, I want to be a doctor. My future plans in my high school yearbook said to become the next Neil Peart. <laughs> and then uh, about four years later, when Dream Theater's first album, When Dream and Day Unite, came out, we had a write-up in Kerrang! magazine, and... I just I, I remembered it was like the, the the biggest achievement of my career thus far because they had the review and then there was a photo of me and the caption said heir to the Neil Peart throne so you know it was that was like oh my god that was all I ever wanted to achieve and it was like mission accomplished before we even had even done anything so yeah to me that was always the ultimate ultimate compliment because Neil was uh, you know he's one of the greatest of all times and uh, you know what 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 he and Rush did were were, were so incredible and they had such an incredible career and such an impact on musicians they were always a musician's musician band so yeah to, you know that's that's always the greatest compliment earlier i was talking to taylor hawkins and i asked him if 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 somebody was listening to this radio show right now and they never heard neil play what song would you direct them to listening to and taylor's answer was yyz from exit stage left with the solo mm-hmm. what would you yeah, good, what would your answer be uh, my go-to track is, uh, you know, I've, I've answered this before. It's for me. It's always "Love Via Strangiato." To me, uh, you know, YYZ was always like such an incredible instrumental, but "Love Via Strangiato" was like the epic instrumental, and that was like the decathlon. You know, that was the one. If, if you were a drummer and you could play that song, you know, you, you you were a great drummer. You know, that was always the ultimate challenge. So for me, that was always. Uh, the, the benchmark of, of Neil's drumming. But, I mean, God, I could list them all. You know, everything from Xanadu to Jacob's Ladder and Free Will and, and YYZ. and the, You know, everything he played was, was a masterpiece. Yeah, truly was. And 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 let's go back to, to the the young Portnoy. When was, what was your first exposure to Rush? When did you first hear them? When did you first see them live? Uh, I didn't see them until the Signals tour in 1982. So even though you know, even though that's almost 40 years ago, it still was a little later in the game right. than I I wished. You know, I wished I had seen them a little earlier than that. But um, I kind of really got um, obsessed when uh, Moving Pictures came out because up until Moving Pictures, I. I wasn't really paying attention. I, I would hear them on like AOR FM radio. I'd hear like Closer to the Heart, um, songs like that, and kind of just wrote them off as like like Super Tramp or Sticks. You know, I would just hear Getty's high vocals, and I didn't realize the, the level of musicianship that was going on there. And then uh, somebody played me YYZ when Moving Pictures came Moving Pictures came out, and then then I realized, and maybe I was just ready for it. Maybe I was at that age where I was ready because I was about. I don't know, 12 or 13, and just starting to get into really serious drumming at that point. So Neil was my guy. I mean, I just became completely obsessed and learned every Rush song inside and out. And, uh, you know, (laughs) people would call me uh, Mike Piertnoy in school, and uh, I used Pert Shampoo, and, you know, (laughs) it was that level of obsession. And uh, bought my first time a drum set, modeled after him. So, yeah, uh, you know, those years probably between, uh, you know, 81 and 82 through about 86 or 87. I mean, 
had a huge, huge, huge impact on me. You know, I'm laughing because the, the, the fanaticism for Neil was so great from so many people for so long. And having spent only one day of my life, but a day I'll never forget with him, that the little bit I knew about him and the one day I spent with him, I walked away from that knowing that's the only thing he hated. You know? right. That was was not was not the fact that he had fans, but the over the top like the the only time I ever the day I spent with him that I felt him sort of get like uh, insular and like really sort of bottle up was when an intern would come running over and go, "Oh my god, holy shit!" Yeah. You know, other, I mean, you can't, otherwise you he'd hang that, forever and I mean, just talk about anything. His famous line from uh, from Limelight, you know, I can't pretend the stranger is a long-awaited friend. I mean, that was him. And uh, I was very fortunate. I I, I just, I've told this story a few times now over the weekend, but I was fortunate. The first time I eventually did meet him, um, it was an assignment from Rhythm Magazine. They, they They let me be the guest editor for an entire issue and interview four of my heroes. So I chose... Uh, Bill Bruford, Lars Ulrich, um, Nick Mason from Pink Floyd, and of course, the very first choice was Neil. So I finally, finally get to meet him, you know, after 20 years of, you know, just waiting and dreaming of it. And um, I was able to go in there and ask all those fanboy questions because that was my job. I was there to interview him. So normally, you know, if I was meeting him, I would never dare ask him all these fanboy rush questions. I, I would know that that would immediately turn him off. But in this particular case, I, I kind of had a free pass to do it uh, and, and get away with it. So that was a great first meeting for me. And, and luckily for me, since then, uh, we, we developed this really amazing relationship that I just will always cherish. And I'll always keep his emails. And, and, and uh, you know, he would send me his new books and, and sign them to me. And he was just such a gracious, gracious person. And uh, I'm just, I'm devastated. Like, you know, like everybody else, in in the world is yeah and just to be clear uh, so people know because mike got to know neil i had the the opportunity to spend a day with him once he didn't get mad or anything about talking about rush it wasn't like he didn't want to talk about rush and talk about music it was just in how you did it if it came up and you talked it was fine but he just didn't like you know somebody running up to him and dropping to their knees and putting their hands in the air like oh my god no he was he was just such a, a humble... Humble, grounded, person. yeah. Yeah, he was just so humble. I mean, like, I've joked with a few people that knew him really really well, and we've been joking how, like, it's amazing this weekend that the outpouring has been unbelievable. I mean, you can't open up social media and without every single post being about it. But I've joked with a few of his close friends in the last couple of days how he probably would have hated all this <laughs> yeah, attention, right. you know? <laughs> Right. I was uh, telling I, I was telling Andy Curran, who works for Rush earlier, I said I had him on and I said, you know, here in the U.S., uh, every network that carries the, the 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 biggest event is the NFL playoffs and every football game this weekend, because I watched all four. They're playing Rush in the stadiums. The the networks are using Rush songs as bumpers every once in a while in and out of songs. You just you don't know that. you I mean, you don't. Uh, they didn't announce that that's why they were doing it, but you know, whoever's producing, whoever was in the truck picking the music, there's Rush fans everywhere, and that was their a, way of sending out a a, 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 you know, message. What a credit to him being a drummer, because, you know, you, you'll see that kind of reaction to people like Freddie Mercury or Kurt Cobain or John Lennon, but when was the last time the passing of a drummer has had this kind of reaction and this kind of impact, and 
that just says how respected he was. And maybe it was because he was so much more than a drummer. I mean, he was the band's lyricist, and he was a, a tremendous author and a humanitarian and just uh, just lived life to the fullest. So I think, you know, he was always more than just a drummer. But, you know, when have you ever seen a, a death of a drummer get this kind of reaction? And that just speaks volumes about the impact that he had on people all over the world, not just drummers, not just Rush fans, but everybody knew who Neil Peart was. And that's a great point and even made bigger by the fact of how he did it, meaning that this was a guy that didn't do meet and greets, didn't even participate right. in paid meet and greets, wasn't on social media, intensely private. So the whole passion that every and love that the world had for him was based on one thing, him as a musician yeah. and what he created musically. I mean, and among the other things, the writings and the humanitarian stuff, sure. But it wasn't, it, this wasn't a guy that was out there seeking it. He was, he, he no. it was the complete opposite. So all, yeah. everything he had, the, all the love he had was just based on his work and what he gave yeah. the world musically. He was just, and he was such a smart person too. God, you know, every every time I spent time with him, he, you couldn't help but feel like an idiot compared to him. He was just so intelligent. What's what a what a smart, intelligent person. Just so well spoken, so so articulate, and you know, obviously that all translated to his his writing, his book writings, and his sure. lyric writing, and everything. But what a what a fiercely intelligent person. Well, I appreciate the time here, buddy. I will do something on Sons of Apollo because I know that's what this was originally about. But obviously, we both agreed that uh, this being the first show of the week since the world found oh, out yeah. that we want to dedicate this to Neil. So uh, the new stuff sounds great. And we'll we'll get you on again real soon to talk about uh, the tour and the record, which is all coming very, very soon. But as soon as we get through all these, uh, you know, yeah. all this stuff with Neil, which we really obviously everybody wants to talk about. Of course. We'll uh, we'll revisit the Sun stuff. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for having me on for this. It's been uh, it's been uh, kind of uh, therapeutic to be talking about him with with all fellow f fans and friends and uh, I know we're all feeling it, you know. We're we're all feeling the devastation of this loss. Yeah, and it was hard for me because this is a 2-hour show and I mean there were so many people that reached out and I know wanted to come on and the problem is is not the problem it's it's a wonderful thing and i appreciate all of it but my goal with the people i was having on today was to get people who really knew the guy and really had some insights and could bring uh, come from it from a little bit of a different angle and you know i appreciate what you told us uh you know today and what you were able to share and uh, maybe I'll see you at NAM, man. I'm flying out tomorrow, so I'll try to catch you out there at, at yeah. something. I'll, I'll hit you with a text. tomorrow as well, so I'll see you out there. Maybe we're on the same flight. What time are you flying? Uh, I'm leaving out of Philly. Are you oh. in Newark? No, yeah, yeah, I'm out of Newark, so... All right. Well, I'll see <laughs> you I'll on the West Coast there. one way or the other, and we'll we'll uh, we'll reschedule and talk on soon, okay? Yeah, no problem. Whenever, whenever it works, it's fine. All right, Mike. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thank you, man. Safe travels, man. Love you. Love you, too. Bye-bye. We'll be back. The second interview is with Andy Curran from the Rush organization. He will join us next. This, this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Continuing talking about and celebrating Neil Peart, it's Eddie Trunk on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. 
And right now, he is the bass player from the Canadian band Coney Hatch, and for the last 20 years has worked for Rush in a variety of capacities. Thought it would be great to get some insights from somebody right on the inside of the Rush organization in the light in light of the uh, tragic news of the death of Neil Peart. And with that is Andy Curran. Enjoy. Andy, first off, my condolences to you and the entire Rush camp. I know this has got to be difficult for you. Eddie, thank you for saying that. Um, it's uh, it it's hit us all extremely hard, as you can imagine. And um, I guess it, it's not surprising to know that Neil was a, Neil and Getty and Alex have been very private guys through their entire career. So sadly, some of us have known longer than others and and had to deal with that. But my God, when when the news came out on Friday. It hit uh, mainstream media. It was just um, overwhelming and made made it all very real. But thank you for for saying that. He is uh, we lost a, a, a huge friend and um, just such a, a, an amazing in, inspiration and, and musician for all of us. Andy, how many years have you worked for the band? Uh, this will be my fifteenth year. Mm-hmm. At, at, you know, with Anthem Records and SRO Management, and then prior to that, uh, lucky enough to to have met the guys when when my band Coney Hatch was signed to them in 1982. So started playing tennis with Getty Lee and struck up a friendship, and then um, on the Roll the Bones tour uh, with my solo band, um, played a, a handful of dates in Canada as a special guest and. Eddie, I can tell you, dude, as a, as a guy growing up in Toronto and idolizing the band, and then to um, then to meet them and become friends with them and eventually work with them, like I would pinch myself on a daily basis, going, "How how did I get here? And uh, I, where did the Willy Wonka golden ticket come from?" But um, it was more than just working with them because uh, you work with somebody that long, buddy, and, and they end up becoming your friends, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's just it. I mean, it's it's got to be incredible. And look, I've gotten to know Getty and Alex over the years quite well with all the things we've done together. I interviewed Neil once back in 06, which was an incredible day, and that's a whole story in and of itself. But knowing them as, I mean, you know these guys and dealing with them daily for so long, the the, the nice, and and I, I know I'm safe in saying this, you're also. It also has to feel great knowing that they're truly great people. On top of being incredible musicians, like just wonderful, wonderful people. It's it's got to make you feel good as a fan, and then ultimately, as you said, getting close and working with them. Yeah, Eddie, you're absolutely right. I I mean, I don't have to tell you. I can't imagine how many guests that you've had on your shows over the years, and some of them. You're, you can't wait for them to leave. Right. Some of them, you're, you're like, I'm not, I don't ever want to talk to that person again. And when you work with an artist um, and, and you can walk away from it and go, oh, my God, what an incredibly amazing person. Every adjective that you can think of, generous, kind, caring, um, thoughtful, respectful. I mean, first class all the way around, every one of those guys. And uh, Neil was was um, as soft-spoken and avoided the 
no pun intended, avoided the limelight, as you know, and it wasn't out of disrespect. He was actually a pretty shy guy. But when you, but when you broke that shyness, uh, that, that barrier, as you did when you did your interview, you, you see what an amazing guy is there and uh, just really soft-spoken, super funny. Um, and I was, I was on my guard because he was so articulate and eloquent that I found myself choosing my words very carefully whenever I spoke with him. I didn't want to come off like a dummy, you know, but uh, yeah, it took it to the next level that they, he was such, all of them, such great guys. Andy, do you have a personal story? Because Neil was so private and so few few people really did really know him closely and work with him closely as you did with all of the guys in Rush. But do you have now looking back on this um, a, a personal private story that you can share with us, even if it's funny or just impactful to you or anything you want to share about, uh, you know, the, the very unique way you knew Neil Peart versus others? Yeah, I, absolutely. I had a feeling you would ask this, Eddie, when you when when we spoke a couple of days ago, and I and I do have one teed up, certainly not to overshadow the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which you just spoke with Taylor about, um, with those guys dressing up in kimonos was just a mind, it just blew your mind, and and dressing up in kimonos, and they all three of them loved it, but. It's a little bit stereotypical when I tell you this, because as a Canadian, much like um, you, the, the American folks in, in baseball, um, it's in your it's in your DNA, it's in your culture, and hockey uh, is is in my DNA. And I, surprisingly, I found that it was in Neil. And Neil grew up in St. Catharines, and the St. Catharines GPs, the hockey team were a feeder to the Chicago Blackhawks, and he knew that I was a Blackhawks fan. And, and so we bonded instantly over talking about hockey and, and mostly retro hockey. And I'm going back to the, the original six hockey teams, and, and he knew all the players, and it was just part of our fabric as Canadians. So the reason I'm bringing this up is we got approached, the management, myself, got a call from TSN, which is our ESPN, and they wanted to know if Rush would take this iconic Hockey Night in Canada song that starts the broadcast and if they would do a Rush version of it. And so um, I brought it to the guys, and I got two no's and one yes. The one <laughs> yes was, was Neil Peart. So I called up Neil, and he said, I've loved this song since I was a kid. Let's do this together, Andy. This could be really fun. Uh, I said, what are you thinking? He said, I'm thinking of doing something like a Burning for Buddy. Like, we'll do it, you know, like a big band uh, feel, a jazz feel. Um, I know exactly who I want to use in California. And Eddie, before you knew it, we had a session booked in L.A. He picked Nick Raskulinich to produce it. We had a string section uh, ensemble in there. Neil uh, was the king of the castle that day, and we surprised him. I got in touch with the Hockey Hall of Fame, and we brought in the Stanley Cup. And they surprised Neil and brought it in. And I've got pictures of him mugging, and he has this ear-to-ear grin on his face. And not to take away from the amazing body of work that Rush did, but that might have been one of the few times in Neil's career where he was the guy calling the shots. It was his session. Uh, we all had a really good drink. 
uh, uh, like a McCallum scotch with rocks afterwards, and he thanked the guys at TSN, Mark Millier and Eric Neuschwander, who put it together. And then it all ended up with the, with his hockey, with the drum kit that he used getting put into the Hockey Hall of Fame, and he invited his parents, and he was like, all of the jocks back home, guess what? You guys suck. I'm in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And <laughs> and, and, uh, and he was so proud of it. And um, and like everything that the boys in Rush did, he took it on. He had a, a kit designed with the logos. He had a, a, a hat and an outfit, and he spent weeks and weeks working on that arrangement and i and i was there with him the whole time eddie and it was such a thrill for a couple of goofy canadian boys who are just <laughs> hockey fans at the root you know yeah. and but and and when the stanley cup showed up he was like Andy, how did you make this happen and i was like oh i got a few friends that wanted to do this for you neil you know oh man that is that is great stuff it really is well, I got to tell you, buddy. Again, I, I know that I know that you guys in in that office have had a, a lot of uh, tragic things happen, unfortunately, over the years. And uh, this is obviously just uh, the, the 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 rock community, the music community. You know, I I got to run, but real quick, you're mentioning sports, and I don't know if you guys know this in Canada, but here in the U.S. this past weekend, the big four the four big NFL games, which of course I know you're aware of that, but here in America, yeah. that's like our hockey and. Uh, I, I uh, every football game this weekend in the stadium sound systems and the networks going in and out of breaks played some sort of rush music in all four of the playoff games. So, so it's everywhere. I mean, everybody is mourning the loss of, of this, uh, this great talent, whether it was, you know, whether it's just through doing something sort of like almost subliminal like that, or through doing what I'm doing, actually doing a whole show on it. It's, it's everywhere. And the, the loss is felt across the board. And uh, my, my, my sincere condolences to you, and Meg and Ray and everybody in the whole organization there. I know it's got to be incredibly tough. And of course, Eddie and Alex. Yeah. Eddie, I promise you I'll pass it on. Uh, I'm honored to say that he was my friend. I, I'm I'm thrilled that uh, that I can be on with you and talk about the legacy of... I'm, I'm a rush punter from the core and the fabric and saw those guys when at Massey Hall for all the world to stage and that never ever left me and um, so I, I'm trying to take away the positive of what, what they left behind for us. And I'm honored to be on the show today, buddy. And I love you and thank you. And I will pass on the message to everybody here in Toronto. Please do, Andy. Love you, too. And it's real real quick. Reminded me of Massey Hall because when I came up there a couple of years ago and we went to dinner, if you remember, you were driving me and I said, wait, wait, there's Massey Hall. And you took a photo of me in front of the sign because I was like, that's where all the world's stage was done. So I Ab- remember. Absolutely. We did a drive-by. <laughs> we did a, like a photo op. We You're did. Absolutely right. We did. <laughs> Andy, I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Hang in there. Cheers, buddy. See ya, guys. Bye-bye. Well, my thanks to Andy Curran. Good to talk to him. Wish, again, it was under better circumstances. And wish we had more time with Andy. As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, my radio show was coming to an end. And I had to uh, wrap up with him. But just uh, great to get a few thoughts from him on Neil Peart. Again, just uh, all of that happened a couple days after it was announced that he'd passed away. And all the interviews originated on my SiriusXM radio show, Trunk Nation, a rock talk show heard daily live on volume, channel 106, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, nightly replays 10 to midnight Eastern, and also available on demand 
on the SiriusXM app. So please be sure to join me daily on the radio if you're in the U.S. and Canada and a SiriusXM subscriber. Thanks to Katie Irizarry for producing the Eddie Trunk podcast each and every week. I will see you guys next Thursday for another all-new episode, free, as always, on all your favorite podcast outlets. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good week. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.